Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opaluski, and today, a special surprise guest. John, how are you? Hey, Jim. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm so excited about what God's been up to and what he's been doing, and uh uh, and I'm also really looking forward to a few days off um, <laughs> because I'm a little tired about, you know, as a result of what God's been up to and God's doing. Yeah. Um, but doing really well. Uh, it's good to be with you today. Good, good, good. Well, why don't you introduce us to our guest today? He's, he's not new to our audience, but mm-hmm. he needs an introduction nonetheless. Yes, we are so excited to have Josh Spurlock back with us. Uh, Josh has been on the podcast multiple times, and uh, every time that we've had him on, I have learned something new, and it's not just something little. There's been something that's been really paradigm shifting, uh, and I'm not trying to set you up here to, today, Josh. Yeah, so do it, do it again, Josh. Will you? That'd be great. <laughs> the expectation that that'll happen again, but but not only me, uh, Jim. I know that you've expressed the same thing, and. Uh, and so have our listeners and watchers, how much they appreciate these conversations with Josh. So, Josh, we're so excited uh, that you're with us. Welcome back uh, to Leading from Alignment. Man, thanks for having me. I just enjoy hanging out with you guys and love your audience and those that you provide support and care to. So really feels like a privilege to get to spend some time with you and, and speak an encouraging word, hopefully. Yeah, awesome. We should we should do this from a fishing boat next summer. We should just go to some lake. Yes, and just, me in. And just hang out. Yeah, me in. We, we call it fellowship. Three fellas in the same ship. You That's know what I mean, right. just just uh, <laughs> like that idea. That's good. So, Josh, Come you in. have this incredible ministry that God has birthed in your heart, and not not just birthed in your heart, but it's come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Uh, called uh, my counselor online. And I know that we've talked a little bit about that each time you've been with us, but I was wondering if you do a couple of things. Just catch us up a little bit about what My Counselor Online does, the the audience it serves, and maybe some of the things that have been going on uh, since we talked last with ministry. Yeah, thanks, John. So, yeah, My Counselor Online, faith-based mental health delivered online. It's uh, something that God gave us to do in the kingdom back in 2017, back before online counseling was cool. Uh, in fact, it felt a lot like Noah building an ark in the desert with uh, friends going, yeah. why in the world would anybody, anybody want to do online counseling? And then uh, COVID came along and suddenly all counseling everywhere was being done online as in-person yeah. meetings got shut down and we kind of stood back in awe. And uh, feeling humbled and grateful that the Lord had led us down this path and that we had uh, listened to his lead in that and really had a couple of year head start on learning how to provide care to folks uh, online. And so that's that's kind of what we're still up to is coming alongside uh, pastors and missionaries and church planners and they're spread out around the country and around the world and providing support to them and the congregations that they lead by being a reliable place for them to uh, refer folks on their staff or for their own families or for their folks they lead 
uh, to be able to receive good um, quality mental health that's consistent with the scriptures and um, can use the the needs of people through that lens as well. So um, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of work. Been a lot of fun. <laughs> Love it. It's funny when you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? When you know you're in the right place yes. at the right time, yes. you know, in any expression of the goodness of God, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, ministry, I mean, I know this audience uh, understands that when I say that yeah. it's, good. it's not without struggle and it's sure. not without, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, suffering at times, but yeah. all the the work that the King gives us to do has struggle and suffering. That's a part of it. And it has great joy that comes with yeah. it. As well. Yeah. Now we we've talked about it because we, we've been doing this for a while. This is the third or fourth time, Josh, this is the third time. I think I've been involved yeah, in this, but maybe like the that. fourth time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we talk about, uh, there was a pre COVID dynamic of leadership, you know, mm-hmm. in the church, then, then when there was the crises, so the, in the crises leadership dynamic, and then that, then there's kind of like, Hey, life's back to normal. Well, not, not for the people that I know. Right. So there's a, there's a leading through, and then there's a leading out of crises that creates issues. Yeah. So what, what trends are you seeing right now? You know, where, where we're at in this, I know that COVID is behind us, but some things have, have changed and now maybe we're just starting to kind of digest as leaders what, what we're doing now. So what, what what are you seeing as the the number one that the trends of what that leadership what are you talking about when people call you now? Yeah. So you know uh, not to use cliche terms, you know, like yeah. new normal and living with kind of uh, yeah. pandemic and things of that nature. But I think there's a there's a reality of uh, things things are different in in a permanent kind of way. You know that some things yeah. are returning, some things are familiar, and certainly humans have gone through struggles and pandemics and things and events throughout history. Um, but it's a the world is a different place, and uh, yeah. our country is a different place. In the expectations that people have have shifted. And so there's a settling in and a grieving, you know, that things are not just going to go back to the way things Mm -hmm. were, that there Mm -hmm. are some things for better or worse that are going to continue to be different. And we've got to learn how to come to terms with that. Can can you go deeper into that? The word grieving, this Mm -hmm. is what I know of grief. It happens when it happens, how it happens, the way it happens. Mm-hmm. And, and those who choose not to express it end up kicking their neighbor's dog two years from now and not knowing why they did it. So yes. it's, it's one of those, I'd rather not feel it. And I don't mm-hmm. seem to have control over it. I'm in, I'm in line at the grocery store. I hear mm-hmm. a song that reminds me of my, my, my lost loved one. And I begin mm-hmm. to grieve right there next to the Snickers bars and scare people in line next to me. Right. So yes. what, what do you mean by that? What does the process of grieving look like in this dynamic? It's a hundred percent of all that and okay. more. And the and more uh, really has to do with the the different kinds of uh, grief that we experience or grief scenarios. Okay. You know, we we tend to when we think about grief, think about kind of the loss of a loved one, mm-hmm. uh, sudden death of somebody we care about. You know, um, and that's kind of the traditional. That's grief, right? Someone I cared yeah. about is no longer here, and I have grief around that. But grief is an everyday part of life. Grief is about loss. 
loss is big and loss is small in that, you know, uh, whenever we experience disappointment, there's loss, right? uh, a hope disappointed, you know, right. that I, that I came to a ministry position and I thought that this is what it was going to be. And it turned out to be something different than what I mm. thought it was going to be when I came. There's a loss of that dream. There's a loss right. of that vision of what it was going to be. There's a there's losses in friendships and relationship in how I thought somebody was going to be there for me and they weren't. Um, and maybe I still have the relationship with the person. They're not dead or gone and, and haven't necessarily written me off in a way that maybe I'd think about losing them. But there was there was a expectation or a hope, uh, what I thought was going to be that is not anymore. And I've lost something in that. And there's grief that's a part of those losses. And if it's not grieved, if we don't acknowledge that loss, we don't allow ourselves to feel and name the pain that's a part of that. We and allow ourselves to move through those feelings and that there's an accumulative effect to them. And, and so there's you know death by a thousand cuts, as it were. There's burnout by a thousand griefs ungrieved, a thousand losses ungrieved that we can experience mm. with the cumulative effect of all these things not grieved and leads to burnout, leads to depression, leads to anxiety and throwing in the towel. And so it's really the 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 small things, the small losses uh, are more likely to lead to burnout than the big ones. Wow. Interesting. They're less likely to be acknowledged and processed through and cumulatively they get us into a bad spot. Hmm. You know, that, that's such an interesting thought because I think, I don't, I think sometimes we, we flip that, right, Josh, where we mm -hmm. think it's the big stuff yeah. that that's going to do us in. Mm -hmm. and, and and I think that's going to lead into the next question I want to ask you. But before I get to that, I'm really curious. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but I, I, is it because we trivialize the small things, Josh? We don't count them as important or, hey, everybody's dealing with problems. Just get over it kind of mentality. Yes. What? Why do we do that to ourselves? Yeah. I guess is what I'm asking. There's there's a variety of different reasons. Um, the the short answer is that our experiences of life have taught us to do that. Mm -hmm. That our experience of life, the important people in our life and our story taught us that was the way to do that. And so that could look like the dismissing or undermining of loss by going, hey, everybody's got problems as though that means that yours aren't significant or don't matter or shouldn't be acknowledged or important. Or there's a spiritualization of it that if I, if I was really on point spiritually, then these things wouldn't affect me. They wouldn't matter to me, you know, or that they're carnal in nature that I would feel a sense of loss either over something financial or over a friend uh, betraying me in some minor way that I'm being petty if I acknowledge that that hurt 
and that mm-hmm. and so i would i don't want to be spiritually immature and so i can't acknowledge that that actually bothered me you know and so that's you know, how we end up dismissing those things you know it prevents us from grieving them so we carry them around how do i combat that 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 tendency yeah yeah dismiss that could you give us a like a an idea of maybe a a good strategy for that yes yes absolutely so one of the best strategies is to uh is teamwork it right to employ this in the people that are close to us and this is true of many things that we tend to be in a pretty individualistic society. And so we want to figure out what's the self-help thing that I can do by myself, just me and Jesus in a prayer closet, not reading <laughs> or relying on anybody else. <laughs> but like most things uh, in human uh, health and wellness, as God designed it, we need each other. Right. So that means with my my spouse and with my friends and those around me talking about this sort of thing. And being able to go, hey, you know what, Jim? I recognize that I have a tendency to dismiss the losses in my life and not really make space to grieve them. And that I could really use some help when you notice me doing that. Just draw it to my attention. You know, just Mm -hmm. draw to my attention where maybe I'm minimizing or dismissing or sweeping under the rug or, you know, failing to acknowledge a loss. And uh, that would be helpful. If we can have that mm-hmm. with each other, you know, those around us can catch it oftentimes quicker than we can. They can see mm-hmm. those defenses that we form from the experiences of our life kicking in. And we'll, you know, we'll go, you know, yeah, that was terrible, but God is good, which is true. That is a spiritualizing of a right. dismissing, not acknowledging the loss that way feel and right or whatever form that takes that the teamwork is exceedingly helpful you know and we can be able to pause and go you know that's true jim you know it is god is good and this really sucks yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really hard what you're yeah. going through now and yeah. i'm sorry that you're going through it right you know right acknowledge that is that is that I'm sorry that you're going through an important piece too, because now we're sharing that burden. Yeah. Like you, yeah, you share it with burdens. me and now it's lighter. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what you honed in on, Jim. Yeah. Um, it's a it's how we're bearing one another's burdens. And there's fancy neuroscience around. It's really cool. I nerd out about the neurotheology pieces. <laughs> you know, Paul talks about us bearing one another's burdens. But yeah. we developed this new technology um called functional MRI which means that instead of having to be in like a space tube to have your brain scanned, we can put like this thing on your head uh, and put it on another person's head and we can watch two brains interaction with each other at the same time. Crazy. Very yeah. super cool. But yeah. there's there's this thing that happens when we're holding an experience and sharing an experience together. Mm-hmm. There's this uh, limbic resonance that takes place where my brain and your brain synchronize. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually sharing in the experience of the grief or the sadness and that together. And you can watch it on a screen if we're wearing functional MRI apparatus where it changes the experience and allows us to process it in a way that's impossible to do alone. Mm-hmm. 
that we cannot process it without sharing it with another human being, that bearing one another's burdens <laughs> and allowing wow. others to bear our burdens with us is an essential element. That's funny, John. I know one of the things that you've said that I've, I've caught on to is a, uh, a shared burden by definition is, is 50% lighter. There's, there's four hands carrying the burden, not just two anymore. It's, it's nice when, when scripture, logic, philosophy come together and science goes, yes, yeah, scripture's right. You know, that this is, this is how this works. Mm -hmm. And it's intuitive when we think about it with our kids, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's these three fancy $40 handles I'll give you. The limbic resonance, limbic regulation, and limbic revision. And this is how we okay. affect each other's brains and our interaction. But this idea of limbic regulation is like with our kids when they're upset. You think about infants, you know, crying or whatnot. And you go and you scoop them up and you pick them up. And with your voice and with your body and with your eyes and you look in their face, they see that you're there and they feel felt by you, that the distress that they're experiencing matters to you in the end. And you feel it as a parent in your body that you're distressed, that they're distressed and that and they feel felt that they are seen and cared for. And it's regulating to the nervous system. And the baby goes limp or kind of, it's okay. We yeah. never grow out of that. As adults, <laughs> we need that yeah. same experience with one another to mm -hmm. feel felt, to yeah. be seen, to have another nervous system resonate with us is regulating to us. Josh, you're doing it, man. You, you're <laughs> right. <laughs> You're blowing my mind again. This is so good. Uh, <laughs> Neuroscience is kind of cool, I think. And they're down about yeah. But you just said that we never grow out of that need. Man, that is so powerful. And I and I I I believe that society people, whomever, has drummed that thought out of my brain. Yeah, I believe it's I've reached a certain point in my life that I don't need that kind of care. I don't need that kind of community. And, and man, that just is so helpful and so challenging at the same time. Think hmm. about what a powerful strategy of the enemy that is, right? Yeah. To create shame around that, the fact that you need and that. And that if I were spiritually mature, if I were a grown-up, if I were a real adult, if I weren't a big baby, if I weren't, you know, insecure or whatever, that the enemy is able to use to shame you away from that kind of connection, how that can lend you and cause you to be impotent. Yeah. That over time you are disconnected and you're overwhelmed and burdened down by all these unresolved griefs and lose effectiveness in your family and in your church and in your community. It's a it's a strategy of the enemy that we've got to be wise to. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh, I I I think we're not gonna get past question three here. <laughs> This first one, which is that's, fine. That's how it usually goes with us, isn't it? Yeah. 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 This is really, uh, I mean, so rich. Cannot wait for our, our listeners and watchers to hear this. 
Um, so I'd like to ask you one more, and then would you come back for a second? Uh, I'd love to. I'd okay. love to really enjoy this. So, so Jim and I and, and our team at, at Converge Coaching has, has observed, we've observed a lot of fatigue and burnout among pastors this year. I don't know, maybe more than I we ever have. And uh, you already mentioned that this death by a thousand cuts is contributing to it in a significant way. I'm wondering what else might be contributing to it from your perspective. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I, honestly, I think this is one of the most regulating components of it, right? That because of the, um, the volume of change and loss that people are facing and that the pandemic has caused the inability to grieve these losses and metabolize them in a healthy way is accelerating and intensifying that burnout in the pace of it, mm. right? That the volume of things to grieve is higher. And so if our capacity for knowing how to grieve and move through those things isn't um, developed, then we are overwhelmed by the volume that's coming at us and we um, collapse under the weight of it. Right. I'm just I'm just taking that in, yeah, uh, and, and thinking that through because I, I think there are obviously there are some some practical things you know I think we can we can do to either prevent be preventive uh, toward you know and, and we usually hit on things like making sure you're getting a day off you know that your pace totally. is your pace yeah. is well, that you're working on your friendships, that you're exercising, that you're yes. all, all of that, you know, you're working reasonable hours. And mm -hmm. and I think that's still true. Absolutely. Uh, no preventive. Those things. And, and sometimes even it helps if you're burnout to, to do some of those, those rhythms. Mm -hmm. um, yes. This one, Josh, I have not, and this is just new territory for, for us, I think. Jim, would you agree that this is just like yeah, new territory in a sense? It, it is, but it, it what's funny is it's connecting some dots in my own life. It's connecting dots to people that I'm, I'm ministering to because it's it, – we're talking about more than just having the answers to questions. We're talking mm -hmm. about sharing life, um, yeah. feeling connected to, you know, uh, and the larger a church gets sometimes or the larger a staff gets – the more processes, the more, I, I say bureaucracy almost as a negative, but the, the more organization that's required and, and the less personal it can feel. So somebody having a bad day could easily go undetected in a church of a thousand people, it, differently in a church of 10 people. Someone would connect totally. and say, are you okay? Like you don't seem like yourself versus someone can come and go lonely, come and go broken, come and go suicidal. We may not even recognize that in a church that has hundreds of people in it. And so the by the time somebody says, I think I need help, boy, there they can be really a long ways down the road. So I, I guess the thought that I have for you is, is how do we detect in a room that has hundreds or thousands, how do we detect someone that's hurting and create a culture? You know, that doesn't have a cry room in it for adults, you know what I mean? Or doesn't have a, mm -hmm. you know, uh we, we kind of make fun sometimes of the Twitter 
uh, environments of, of work where yeah, I need a meditation room and I need a, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. my, my lunch paid for and everything needs to be non-GMO and nothing's offensive. That's not really reality for most of of the world that we live in. So how yeah. do we how do we create a create a culture where how are you doing today isn't met by fine, which mm-hmm. we find out later on means freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. It, it doesn't, it's an acronym for those things. It's, they're not yes. really fine, you know. Yes. How do we how do we create a culture on a staff or in in a group or the larger it gets, the harder it gets? So how do you how do you let people know you're in a safe place? It's okay <laughs> not to be okay here, but it's Sunday morning and there's hundreds of people in the room. How do you how do you accomplish that? Or is that am I asking too much? That's not going to happen. Oh uh, no, I don't think you're asking too much. I think that's part of you know how we lean into you know how do we be the body more and more you know yeah, how do we yeah. be the body in different contexts because you're right there's different challenges that you're facing in a you know congregation of a thousand versus in a house church where you've yeah. got units and ideally you know small group ministries are intended to bridge that gap but yeah. they can become if they're not intentional in developing intimacy they can be, you know, just as superficial in right. settings as in any. But to answer your question, and how do we facilitate those different kinds of community or those different kinds of interactions? You really have to lead with vulnerability. Okay. You really have to right. um, um, illustrate that from engagement. Like, so if I want right. to set a culture of safety about kind of being real about vulnerable things, I've got to get open and share with that group of people the real stuff that I'm facing. I have to show it. Right. I have to show I have right. to take risk. Right. Right. Risk is in, inherent in vulnerability. If there's no risk, there's no vulnerability. It's impossible. Right. You know, and as you know, Brene Brown will tell you that there's you know no courage without vulnerability. And then right. that, that to be courageous means to face and navigate vulnerability and vulnerability. And so you have to be willing to be in a space of going, you know, I have a real struggle with minimizing and dismissing the losses that I experience in life. Like here's right. the voices that play in my head. And here's the things that I say and I'm that I'm prone to do. And I recognize how it keeps me from metabolizing loss. And it causes me to carry those losses around and it's not good for me or my ministry or my family. And, uh, man, I need help with that. And when I say that to you, what does that do for you? Yeah. And we've all been in a small group, right? Where somebody finally got honest yes. and the next hour, everybody got honest because mm-hmm. we, we realized we're in an environment where we can be honest. Exactly. And it's the only way to convey that. There is no way yeah. you can talk to your blue in the face telling people it's a safe place to do yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> but until you take a risk and put yourself yeah. out there and demonstrate that it's a safe place because you put your neck out there in a way right. that it's people that don't respond is going to have an impact. It's a trust fall kind of thing, right? Yeah, so right. If it's not going to hurt if people respond poorly to what you just put out there. And you didn't take a risk. Right. You hedged yeah. your bets. You didn't actually <clears throat> put yourself out there. Like it's not gonna hurt if people drop you in that scenario. Mm. You're not being vulnerable. That's not trust. Yeah. It's mm. what I hear 
few things. And then Jim, if you could wrap us up because we're, yeah. we're really bumping up against time is it really starts with leadership. Like, mm-hmm. I think I've heard that yeah. somewhere before. <laughs> but yeah. uh, isn't it, I think it's true that, that the people we lead really pick up on what's going mm-hmm. on on the inside of us and how, how we share that. Mm-hmm. They tend to, I, I, I think they tend to follow that more than anything else. Yeah. Maybe we do as leaders. And, and so it's called Josh, perception. Okay. Pick back Can you up explain that. that to us real quick? And then so yeah. I love, sir, no, it's I love that, any word that starts with neuro. What you're saying is that that my nervous system registers what's happening in your nervous system, Mm -hmm. regardless of the words that you use or what you try to tell me or try to convey or the try to image that you try to pull off. My nervous system is able to register what's happening in your nervous system. Mm Even if I don't have words to describe it and I can't put my finger on what it is, my body knows and responds to it. Can't hide it. I've never had language to describe that. I've always, not always, I would say the last five, 10 years, I've believed what I just said to be true. But I I, I would tell people, I can't explain it to you. But this is what I'm observing. You've put actual words to it and science to it. And that's so incredibly helpful and powerful, Josh. Thank you so much. It's funny that you say that, John, that I've never had words for that because the limbic brain does not have the, it it does not have the capacity for speech. Yeah, it's not verbal. So it it does feel, why is this car salesman giving me the creeps? And this one I'd buy three cars from. I don't don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That must help a lot in, in counseling and pastoral situations. Totally. Yeah, right on. Yes. Well, guys, thank you're you. Go ahead. Your nervous system. Right, right. Well, uh, Josh, it's a uh, you bring a calm into the room. Mm. You slow my speech by about twenty percent. You uh, you have really cool hair. That's, that's we don't like that part of you, but everything else, everything everything else is so welcoming in this. And uh, and we're we're grateful for the time you've given us. Would you remind us again if someone wanted to reach out to you uh, yeah. or someone in your in your practice? How would we do that? Go out and visit mycounselor.online. That's the URL. That's what you plug in your browser, just mycounselor.online. And you will see our information, see our team and and how to connect with us. And that's counseling for anything. Is that for anything? Anywhere. Right on. on. Love that. And and John, if we wanted to reach out to Converge and, and say, how do we continue a conversation? in this vein how would we do that with converge it's convergecoach.com click on the contact us link and uh, that uh, allows us to connect with you for 30 minutes uh, no uh, no charge uh, and if, if we can be helpful to you we'll, we'll uh, bring one of our team members to help and if we can't we'll find somebody who can help you that's right yeah we'll, we'll keep trying until, we, until there is help Right on. Gentlemen, it's been an honor. Thanks so much. And our, our dear watchers and listeners, thank you for sharing this time. I hope it's been redemptive for you like it's been redemptive for me. I, I, there's some, I'll be really honest with you, there are some podcasts where I go, man, we got to be out of time by now and we're not. And others where I find it we're out of time. I'm like, how did that go so fast? I, I don't know how that works. But 
this is one of those that went quickly and I hope that it's been a blessing to you and we're praying for you. We're, we're cheering for you. We're with you in this thing yes. as you continue to lead from alignment.